Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Wednesday in the Word. I'm Anthony Moore, serve as a senior pastor here at Carolina Church, and I'm honored to have you be a part of the audience on today. We're entering a new series of study on today, a new subject matter, and I'd like to begin by simply um, begin my teaching today by reading a piece from author Dennis P. Kimbrough's book entitled What Makes the Great Great? It was written, um, this piece that I'm going to read to you was written anonymously and it's found on page 133. I want to suggest to you that if you have not um, um, been able to read this book or get the book, this is a book that you ought to have in your library. You ought to get this book called What Makes the Great Great by Dennis Kimbrough, Dennis Kimbrough. Um, I want to introduce you all to this new series by um, simply taking a look at what was written on page 133 that will help to introduce the subject matter of today, the subject matter of today. Now, um, I want you to see if you can identify who it is or what I am. Can you identify what I am? Let's start there. Can you identify what I am? I am your constant companion. I am your greatest helper or heaviest burden. I will push you onward or drag you down to failure. I'm completely at your command. Half of the things you do, you may just as well turn over to me and I'll be able to do them quickly and correctly. I am easily managed. You must be merely be firm with me. You must merely be firm with me. Show me exactly how you want something done. And after a few lessons, I will do it automatically. I'm the servant of all great persons and alas, all of all failures as well. Those who are great, I have made great. Those who are failures, I have made failures. I'm not a machine, though I work with all the precision of a machine plus the intelligence of a man. You may run me for profit or run me for ruin. It makes no difference to me. Take me, train me, be firm with me, and I will place the world at your feet. Be easy with me and I will destroy you. What am I? I am habit. This, my brothers and sisters, is the power of habit. Every single one of us wrestle with the concept of self-discipline and habits. We have all developed habits in our own lives. Some habits are good. Habits like brushing our teeth, bathing, exercising, or even spending time with God. These are good habits. Some of our habits are bad habits, like cussing people out, arriving late, or the addictions that we encounter, or our poor eating habits, whether it's good or bad, habits have the power to make us or break us 
It has the power to make us or the power to break us. It is ultimately our choice. John Maxwell, author, speaker, and pastor who writes a great deal about leadership, says this. He says, most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. Most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. In other words, there are things that we hope for, desires, dreams, ambitions, and things that we want to accomplish, but our habits don't line up with our hopes. We have uphill hopes. We have uphill hopes, but the truth of the matter is we have downhill habits. And as a result, our hopes never materialize. Each one of us has to come to grips with the truth that everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything. I mean everything. So developing self-discipline and self-control is worthwhile. I'll say that again for you. Developing self-discipline and self-control is worthwhile. You will not coast into self-discipline or self-control. It has to be deliberate and intentional. It is an uphill climb, but it's worthwhile. It's difficult, but it's worthwhile. It's hard, but it's worthwhile. You determine your habits and your habits determine you. I I want you to get this, you all. You determine your habits and your habits determine you. When you build good habits in your life, you're going to have good character. If you have good character, you're going to have a great destiny. Your character is the sum total of your habits. So we want to start this new series looking at a subject that most of us are uh, shy about attacking, but I want to look at this subject called discipline. I want to start this new series looking at discipline. I think you all will have to agree that there's no shortage of people trying to learn how to develop self-discipline or even have self-control for that matter. The problem is that in our efforts to do so, most of us will start and then just give up and quit. The excuses we give for our inability to walk in self-discipline or self-control sounds something like this. Um, this is just how I am. Deal with it. Or how about this one? I'm okay with how I am. God made me this way. We tend to settle for things just the way they are simply because it's the easy thing to do. We know that discipline is an uphill climb. So Here are the questions I want to attempt to answer in this series as I um, seek to walk us through this whole concept and study on discipline. I I want to try to answer these questions. Number one, what is spiritual self-discipline? That's number one. What is spiritual self-discipline? Number two, what is self-control? 
three, how do I become self-disciplined? Next question, how can I improve my self-discipline? And then lastly, why is being self-disciplined so important to my becoming? All right, let, let's, let's start this. Let's deal with what is self-discipline? Let's start by taking a look at the basic definition of self-discipline and its first cousin, self-control. I want to look at this. So Webster defines them as this. You all, Webster defines self-discipline as um, it's, it's the correction or regulation of oneself for the sake of improvement. Self-control, on the other hand, is the restraint to exercise over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. So self-discipline in the context of our teaching is when we practice control or restrain ourselves from all kinds of feelings, impulses, and desires, which by the way, includes the desires for physical and material comfort. Now, I, I need to ask you a, a couple of questions. Let me just ask you, how often have you longed for something you needed to wait for or desired something that's unhealthy? How do you deal with those longings, desires, or urges? Do, do you allow them to control you or do you remain the one in control? Are you a slave to your emotions, to your desires, to your impulses or urges? Listen, our society tends to associate self-discipline with athletes and celeb celebrities and business owners and the likes. And this is primarily because in our minds, they have achieved a level of success that typically cannot be reached without a level of self-discipline. But how do we develop self-discipline as normal everyday people who don't fit into those categories of athletes or, or celebrities or the like. What, what, yo, how do we, how do we get everyday people to fit into a category where we are operating in self-discipline, in self-control? Let, let's start with what does the Bible say about self Discipline. Let's start there today. What does the Bible say about self-discipline? You see, as followers of Christ, you and I don't get the luxury of having the attitude that our brothers and sisters who are not followers of Christ when it comes to a lack of self-discipline have. We, we don't get to operate like they do. We, we can't just say, this is how I am and move on. In fact, because of what the Bible says about self-discipline, you and I actually have no excuses. We have none, none whatsoever. So then self-discipline, let's start right here. Self-discipline comes from God. Let's just go ahead, log that in. Self-discipline comes from God. Let's start right there. It comes from God. God, self-discipline, put this in your notes. It comes from God. In Paul's writings to Timothy, um, he wrote in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Here's what he says. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us 
power, love, and self-discipline. Now, I want you to see that same verse in, in the King James Version. In the King James Version, it will probably sound more familiar to you. In the King James Version, that same passage reads like this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. I, I want you to notice how the word um, uh, self-control and self-discipline are used interchangeably, even as they are being translated. You will see um, switch up or be interchanged with the word either self-control or self-discipline. Now, when we give our lives to God, listen to me carefully, when we give our lives to God, His Holy Spirit comes alive in us and dwells in us, and we receive divine power and help from above to do things that we couldn't do otherwise. And that includes self-discipline. Okay. So that's what we see. That's what we see there in second Timothy. Now, verse one and seven. Now watch this. If, if you go over to Galatians chapter five, verses 22 through 23, I'm simply seeking to look at um, what does the Bible say about self-discipline? What does the Bible say about self-discipline? Okay. And when you look there and you go to Galatians, we looked at second Timothy one, verse seven. If you look at Galatians chapter five and you look at verses 22 through 23, Paul gives us a list of fruits that we will begin to exhibit as followers of Christ as we grow in our relationship with God, including, watch this, self-control. Here's what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Forbearance, by the way, is another word for patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and here comes self-control. Against such things there is no law. I'm hoping that you can see, I'm trying to get you to see you all, that it is the spirit of God within us that gives us the ability to even practice true self-discipline. I want to do that again. It's the spirit of God that is within us that gives you and I the ability to even practice true self-discipline or self-control, which is why Luke writes in chapter one, verse seven of the gospel of Luke, he, by the way, he's referencing the mother of Jesus being pregnant without the assistance of a man. Luke writes there, he says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, while people without Christ can demonstrate self-control, this quality in its fullest expression of character transformation is a part of the spiritual fruit that only the Holy Spirit can produce in us. There is no way to gain control over self by one's self. I want you to get this. There's just absolutely no way to gain control over self by oneself. Self-control is really all about bringing our whole life under the Holy Spirit's control. It's not the outward result of self-repression, 
but rather the inward result of the Spirit's work. Self-discipline is seldom easy. I want to be the first to to acknowledge this. Self-discipline is seldom easy. We live in an undisciplined time. Yes, we do. We live in an undisciplined time. People seek freedom from access, but they find only bondage. They seek pleasure through passion, but only find pain instead. They seek affirmation through likes and shares, only to discover abandonment. People seek prominence through hobnobbing with people with means only to be dissed in the process. Self-discipline, however, as a fruit of the spirit allows you and I to experience freedom and pleasure as we grow in our faith and walk in obedience. Now, I want you to see this as a vine produces fruit. Self-discipline or self-control is created exclusively by the Spirit. Self-discipline or self-control is never self-generated, but rather is a work of grace within us. Though we are active in practicing it, We simply bear the fruit of self-discipline. We never produce the fruit of discipline. Come on, y'all. I want you to get this. You bear the fruit of self-discipline, but you don't produce it. It cannot be produced in and of oneself. It only can be produced by the Holy Spirit. All right? We never produce it. Jesus tells us in John's gospel, chapter 15, verse five, this is what he says, apart from me, you can do nothing in our own willpower. We cannot do anything that pleases God. It's only by God's enabling grace. Can we exercise self-discipline or self-control in our ongoing war against sin? The Apostle Paul affirms in Philippians chapter four, verse 13, he affirms, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what he says in Philippians four, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is y'all Christ must be mightily working within us as sap flows into the branch, producing fruit, divine grace must fill the believer producing self-discipline or self-control. I repeat, I repeat, the self can never produce self-discipline. Only as believers living under the Holy Spirit's control can you and I live self-controlled lives. Self-control comes from the indwelling and transformation of the Holy Spirit. Strong, Strong's Concordance um, defines the word used for self-control as proceeding out from within oneself, but not by oneself. Wow. That, that's how it's defined when you look at it in the Strong's Concordance. I, I think you all would agree with me that Jesus is an expert in overcoming temptation. You know, he never sinned despite being tempted. And the reason why he never sinned 
in spite being tempted was because of the spirit that dwells inside of him. I know I'm right. See, in Matthew chapter four, verse one, there we're told that Jesus was led up by the spirit. He was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, if you go over to Hebrews four, verse 15, so, so we see Jesus was tempted by the devil, but had the spirit with him. If you go to Hebrews four, verse 15, this is what it says. For we do not have a high priest. Wait a minute. That means Jesus. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So y'all, Jesus shows us exactly what it is and how it is that we can deal with the temptation or how we can be self-disciplined or how we can operate under the umbrella of self-control. Jesus didn't just um, show us how to live victoriously, but he left us with help to overcome temptation. Please hear me today. He didn't just show us how to do it. He didn't just become an example for us, but Jesus left us with help to overcome temptation and to exercise self-discipline and self-control. As Jesus was leaving, he tells us in John 14, verse 26, he says this, but the helper, um, in the NIV version, it says the advocate, but the helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Y'all, all I'm trying to get you all to see and all I'm trying to say and demonstrate is that spiritual self-discipline and self-control cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. It cannot happen. Self-discipline and self-control being operated in its fullest capacity cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit and draw upon the power and strength that the Holy Spirit offers unto us. And he offers us un, un, that Holy Spirit that power is being given to us through Christ Jesus. He, it's through Christ, it's, it's by Christ through the Holy Spirit that I'm able to operate in, with self-discipline. Mm. Y'all, um, self-discipline, it's important to understand that self-discipline or self-control is not just Holy Spirit empowered, but it's also about choice. I'll, I'll leave you with this. You all, this is important. You know, I, I want you to understand self-discipline or self-control is not just Holy Spirit empowered. It's not just on the Holy Spirit, but it's also about choice. So we're told, we're told in the Bible, we're told to choose self-control. We're told to choose self-discipline. It's both the Holy Spirit empowered and by our own choice. 
that we're able to operate in self-discipline or self-control. So it's not just on the Holy Spirit. It's also on you and I allowing the Holy Spirit in our lives and we choosing to let the Holy Spirit empower us. Okay. Um, stay tuned to next week. We'll, we'll go a little further in this and seek to deal more with this whole idea of being disciplined, spiritual self-discipline, and certainly operating with self-control. Um, I, I, I want to make sure you're clear, and, and as, I, as I bring this to a close, um, m- many of us are wrestling with the whole idea about, well, do I have the Holy Spirit? And is the Holy Spirit operating in my life? I, I'm going I'm I'm to deal with that in our next session if the Lord delays his coming because I want to be certain that every believer, that you understand that every believer has in them the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is there to empower you to make sure that you live a self-disciplined life, a self-controlled life, but it's not just the Holy Spirit's responsibility. It's also yours. You have to choose to do it.